We're in uh, a series called Secrets. It's part three. And uh, today we're going to complete the section that we started last week on understanding. And then we're going to dig into today's subject, which is all about attitudes. But let's read Psalm 25, 14. It is our text scripture. And it says, The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. The Lord is showing us the secrets of his covenant. And as we're expectant, as our hearts are open, what he's sharing is awesome, it's helpful, and it's uplifting in our lives. Let me give you a New Testament scripture, a fresh one today, that brings out this very same fact. It's in Ephesians 1, verse 17 and 18, and I'm reading it out of the Amplified Classic. For I always pray, Paul is talking about the church and he's saying, this is what I pray for you. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation into the insight and the mystery, sorry, insight into the mysteries and the secrets. Listen to that. That he would give you wisdom and revelation, insight into the mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of him. The secrets God wants to share with you are hidden and locked up in Jesus Christ. And how do know Jesus is living in you? And as you and I press into the word, wisdom and revelation knowledge is going to come into our lives about Jesus that is going to lift us up and move us forward in our lives. Verse 18 says this, By having the eyes of your heart... Flooded with light. Wow. God wants the eyes of our hearts to be flooded with light so that we can know and understand what is the hope to which we have been called and how rich his glorious inheritance in the saints is. He's set apart ones. Now remember we've been talking about the game book which is the word of God that's available to everybody. And then we've been talking about the playbook, which is God's goal for every believer. It's where he unlocks those secrets of his covenant that pertain to your life specifically, that will unlock his provision, his power, and his purpose for your life. We realized as we've got into this teaching that by guarding our hearts in Christ, will eliminate the things that prevent us or hinder his light from shining brightly and clearly into every area of our lives. We spoke about the reality that we need to just press in and stay in the game. And we learned that we do this by consistently guarding our hearts. How I many you know we've got to guard our hearts? We're living in a world today where there are so many things that the enemy uses to sow darts of doubt and despair and unbelief into our lives. And his purpose is to turn us away from God's word, to take us away from what God's purpose is. And you see, if we, if we guard our hearts, we protect the word that's been sown in there and we empower ourselves to keep growing. Proverbs 4 verse 23 in the Amplified says, keep and guard your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard, for out of it flow the springs of life. All of Christ's life in you flows from your heart. So when you protect your heart, you're protecting what Jesus is doing in you. 
That's why we've got to keep looking unto Jesus. Hebrews 12 verse 1 to 3 speaks about that. And so what we said is that we've got to guard our hearts. We're looking at the word God and we're using it as an acrostic. We said firstly the G stands for grace. The number one way we guard our heart is by being established in grace and grow in grace. As a matter of fact, grace gets you in the team. Grace keeps you on the field. Grace keeps us moving forward. And then we said the U stood for understanding. We've got to gain understanding about God's word and the way God's word works so that we can apply it by faith and experience the results in our lives. It does not happen automatically. We've got to apply it. We've got to walk in it. We've got to work the word in the grace and power of the Holy Spirit. Now listen, let's read Ephesians 1 and verse 19, which is the follow-on verse from the verses we just read in Ephesians 1 verse 17 and 18, where it spoke about the, the mysteries and the secrets of God being opened up, up to us as our heart is open. Look what verse 19 says. And so you can know and understand. So you can know and understand what? What is the immeasurable unlimited, surpassing greatness of his power in us and for us who believe as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength. Can I encourage you today, church, whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, whatever is on your horizon, whatever mountain is in front of you, his exceeding greatness of his power is working in you and it's working for you. And as you, as you position yourself in that place, man, I tell you what, you're going to see a demonstration of the working of his mighty strength. This is the season for the church to arise. This is the season for the church to step out. This is the season for the church to experience the glory and the goodness of God because he is shining his light on us and through us in Jesus' name. Now we've been looking at five things that will help us to gain understanding. And it's so important that we, we allow these things to be part of our lives. Number one, last week we said we've got to study our, our Bible. We've got to study the Bible. Not just read it, read it's important. Not just listen to it, listening's important. But we've got to study it for ourselves. Number two, we said we've got to sow patience into our lives. James 1 says, let patience have its full work so that you can be complete, lacking nothing. Listen, if you haven't got what you're trusting God for yet, then you can rest assured that he's busy working something in you. Now's not the time to give up. Now's the time to work patience. And the Bible says in verse 5, if you'll do that, you'll come out complete, lacking nothing. Woo! I preach myself happy. Number three, we said last week we've got to stay in peace. We've got to stay in peace. And how you know, sometimes that alone is the battle we fight. Because there are so many things pulling us, trying to get us to fall in pieces. But if we'll guard our peace, if we'll maintain our peace, we'll guard our heart. And it says not only will we guard our heart, we'll guard our minds in Christ Jesus. Number four, we, this is where we stopped. We said, number four, the fourth thing I do to gain understanding is I spend time with Jesus. 
I spend time with Jesus. Now listen to Proverbs 4 and verse 20. We're reading the three verses before our key verse, which says, guard your heart with all diligence. Verse 20 says, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst or the center of your heart. Look at this. For they are life to those who find them. They are health to all their flesh. How many of you know, you spend time in God's presence, you spend time with Jesus, and I want you to know his light and his life will begin to flow through you. George Mueller lived in the 1800s. He started an orphanage because he felt compassion as a Christian for the children on the streets in the United Kingdom. This orphanage grew to where he had built five orphanages that looked after 10,000 children. He was responsible to trust God every day for 10,000 meals for those children. He never asked for money. He got on his knees every day and he trusted God for everything. A few years ago, uh, Mandy and I were preaching in Bristol and we went to George Mueller's properties, which have now been bought by a university. And it is incredible what that man accomplished in the 1800s. He had huge responsibilities and a lot on his plate. He was speaking with a very busy man one day and this gentleman said to him, you know that I have to work 14 to 16 hours a day just to stay ahead and to be successful. So I really just don't have time to pray and go to church. George Mueller looked at him and he said, you know, every day, the first thing I do is I set aside time to study the scripture and to just sit in God's presence and talk to Jesus until my inner man, my heart, is filled with the joy of Jesus. Then I know I'm ready for the day. You are so busy, you don't have time to not spend with Jesus. And I want you to know, you don't have time to not spend with Jesus. Because if you don't have time for this, then you're not going to have time for anything else. You're never going to have enough time for your family. You're never going to have enough time to do the work you need to do. And you know what? It will burden you and it will hinder your faith. But you know, if you'll take time to nourish your spirit by spending time in the presence of God, he will begin to add the things you need to your life and he'll give you the wisdom to plan your day. He'll make sure you're in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. I want to encourage us today, spend time with Jesus, just hanging out in his presence, just singing praises, just talking to him about your life, just sharing, him, sharing with him your inner concerns and the things that are going on. You know, just be in his presence. Actually, he's quite an amazing person to be around. When he walked this earth, I want you to know the multitudes chased him down. Why do you think they did that? Because they couldn't wait to be in his presence. And you know what? We have him living on the inside of us. And we can be with him anytime anywhere at a whisper we can be in God's presence. Hebrews 4 says that we have access freely into the throne room of grace. 
where we can obtain grace and find mercy to help in our time of need. You see, when you spend time in the presence of Jesus, you will guard your heart, your ministry, your purpose, your marriage, your life will begin to flow in his grace and your faith will increase. Listen to Acts 4 verse 13. It says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men, they marveled and they realized they had been with Jesus. That is one of the greatest secrets today. If you will hang out with Jesus, you'll become like him. You'll operate like him and you'll see God's word working in your life. You never lose out when you spend time with Jesus. Amen? All right, number five, the final one. The fifth thing you and I can do to gain wisdom or gain understanding is number five, we've got to speak the word of God. We've got to speak the word of God. You've got to study the word. You've got to sow patience. You've got to maintain peace. You've got to spend time in Christ's presence, but then you've got to exercise your faith by speaking the word. Speaking the word is practicing the word, is action to your faith. And Psalm 34 verse 12 to 14 says, Who is the man who desires life and loves many days, that he may see good? Listen carefully. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Speaking the word into your life and over your circumstances will help you gain a heart of understanding so you know what to do in any situation. Jesus understood the authority of God's word. And that's why he resolved to speak the word only. If you go look at the life of Jesus, you see he always spoke the word. No matter what circumstance, situation he found himself in, he always spoke the word. You see, the reality is this. If you understand scripture, and even if you listen to philosophers and and people even outside of the world, they've come to this conclusion. If you continue to speak negative and wrong things, you begin to deceive your own heart. So don't make statements that are not true. Don't make promises you cannot keep. Don't flatter others with the words you speak. And don't gossip and speak about others negatively. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking rubbish. And you know what? Guard your mouth, you'll guard your heart, and you'll grow in understanding. Number three, let's turn to the A of God. The G is for grace. The U is for understanding. The A is for attitude. Just look at yourself and say, how's my attitude today? How's my attitude today? You see, our attitude in life determines way more than we realize. Your attitude will cause you to rise above what you're facing or it will keep you locked in a downward spiral where you wonder what's going on. All of us have challenges in our lives, but not all of us know how to deal with them. And having the right attitude is a critical area of guarding our hearts. Listen to Philippians 2 verse 5 
in the Amplified Classic. Speaking about Jesus, it says, let the same attitude and purpose, humble mind, be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example of humility. So what is an attitude? An attitude is simply a mindset of how we view things. An attitude displays what's going on on the inside of you. It's the way you respond because of the way you think about things. It's a set way of thinking, feeling, and therefore behaving. So attitudes are very powerful. As a matter of fact, the very first thing Jesus spoke about in his very first sermon, guess what it was? Attitudes. In Matthew chapter 5, in the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon of the, in the Mount, or Sermon on the Mount, starting in Matthew 5 all the way to Matthew chapter 7, the very first verse, it says this. This is the heading in the New King James. It says, the Beatitudes. My pastor used to call them the be happy attitudes. And I think he's right. Because if you develop a positive attitude in life, if you develop a no-quit attitude in life, it doesn't matter what you go through, you will always go through it. And you will come out better on the other side. Because I want you to know, God is your champion. He is fighting for you. He is with you. Psalm 23 verse 4 says, Though they are walked through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Amen? And so be encouraged today. Guarding our hearts involves the difficult but possible responsibility of working through our difficulties, addressing our doubt and unbelief, which makes our hearts hard. And when your heart gets hard, how many of you know we looked at it last week? The seed that gets sown never takes root. It never gets watered, and so it can never flourish, and it can never bring a harvest. So we've got to learn to develop the right attitude. So let's take some time in the rest of our teaching today. Let's have a look at some attitudes that are good attitudes to develop in our lives. Right, and we're going to take it from the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5. I hope you're getting some help today, and I hope you're glad you came to church. I hope you're enjoying watching us in your home, online, and getting the blessing of God's Word and God's presence right in this moment. In Matthew 5, verses 1 and 2, it says this, And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him, and then he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, please notice, this was again another one of those private moments when those who were close to Jesus got the inside scoop, the playbook scoop of the secret of the mysteries of the kingdom. And here in verses uh, uh, chapter 3, our first attitude is this. We must develop this attitude. I am satisfied. Just say that with me. Say, I am satisfied. Matthew 5 verse 3 says this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now you go study this in the Greek and you'll come to understand that the enemy works over time at showing people what they don't have, 
what they can't do, why they don't measure up. But I want you to know, you need to focus on who you are, what you have, and where you're going. Because when you focus on what you don't have, you will always be unhappy, and you'll always be chasing the next high. And that's exactly how the devil wants us to live our lives. He wants us to have the attitude, and you can see it. I know people that are very wealthy, but they're unhappy. Why? They've developed the wrong attitude. They're always chasing the next big thing. And I want you to know, this is a very powerful, powerful verse of Scripture that Jesus spoke to the heart of his believers. You see, this attitude that says, I am satisfied in Christ. If God never gives me another thing, I'm satisfied because I have eternal life. I have the great I am living on the inside of me. Now listen carefully. When you develop that attitude, you will always be content because you'll be looking to Jesus to fulfill you. That attitude says this. I'm willing to even share the good things I have with others because it makes God happy. It's part of my worship. And therefore, it produces in us a depth of satisfaction that keeps our peace strong. Develop this attitude. I am satisfied in Christ. Joyce Meyer says it this way. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm going to be happy where I am while I get where I'm going. Amen? So it doesn't mean we don't trust God. doesn't mean we don't stretch our faith. doesn't mean there are not things in our lives that we believe in God for, but we don't let those things control our lives. We don't let those things be the determining factor whether I'm happy, content, and I'm in a place where I'm worshiping God and doing what he told me to do in this moment. I'm satisfied. Number two, the second powerful attitude Jesus spoke of is this. He spoke and said we should develop an attitude of brokenness. I know it sounds crazy, but how you know we're living in an upside down world? And let me explain what Jesus was sharing here, what I believe. In Matthew 5, 4, he says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. This is what this attitude is about. This brokenness attitude is this. I'm okay. I'm on my way, but I'm not where I should be yet. Because how many of you know this? No matter where God's brought you to, what he's restored in you, how much he's done in you, there's still more he wants to do. There's still more he wants to do through your life. There's still new places he wants to take you. And you see, if you don't have a brokenness in your life where you realize even the areas are healed are healed because of Jesus, even the areas I'm strong in, I'm strong because of Jesus, then what happens is you start to develop an attitude of pride. And you think it's because of you that you are where you are. But a brokenness says this, I'm so grateful for what God's done in my life, I'm satisfied, but I realize that there's more that God can heal in me. There's more God can do in me. And that means I remain broken in the sense that I'm tender-hearted, I'm receptive, and I'm compassionate. It keeps my heart tender. This helps me to be ready, listen carefully, so that I can continually reach out in my life and comfort others 
who are going through trouble. That's the other part of this attitude. It says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So when you have a heart of compassion, when you see others going through things, you look to yourself and you say, or you look within yourself and you say, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to be a blessing? How do you want me to reach out with the love of Christ? How can I be a blessing in this situation so that those who are mourning can be comforted? You become an extension of Jesus. We should never get to a place in our lives in the church where we're just coming to church, sitting on our behinds in church, never doing anything. God has called believers to be his hands and his feet. And we need to be out there doing things, living out his purpose and being his hands and feet. Helping others feel better about themselves because of the loss they're experiencing empowers us to walk in the comfort of God in our lives. Please notice something as we're digging into this teaching on attitudes that every attitude we've looked at so far and every attitude we're going to look at starts off with this statement. Blessed. Blessed is he. Blessed is he. Blessed is he. Notice, every attitude is attached to a blessing. (laughs) Wow. You want to be blessed? Develop the right attitude. This word blessing or blessed here is the Greek word makarios. It means this. Someone who is supremely favored, blessed, fortunate, well-off, and happy. So this is what it's saying. Supremely blessed, fortunate, well-off, and happy are you when you develop a good attitude. (laughs) You'll notice something else. In the Hebrew, the Hebrew counterpart for this word, which is found in Psalm 1, blessed is the man, is the Hebrew word, and the pictograph or, or the symbolic meaning of this word blessed in the Hebrew. Listen to this. It describes an especially strong rope that they used to make by intertwining and twisting strands together that it would become so strong that they'd use it to pull things or tie things and keep them together. What it's symbolically saying is it represents That when you and I have a positive attitude, it keeps us tied with God. It keeps us together with God. Another meaning is it keeps us walking straight. A good attitude keeps you walking where you need to be walking so that you can accomplish your purpose despite whatever's going on around you. In other words, it'll produce a real happiness. Not a, not a, not a, a temporal happiness that comes and goes with things that happen and don't happen. You know, like when Man United win, we're happy. When they lose, we're not happy. When the Sharks win, we're happy. Uh, when, when the Blue Bulls lose, we're very happy. No, it's not a superficial happiness. It's a genuine happiness that comes from realizing that Jesus is King. Amen. Number three, are you getting some help today? Number three. An attitude of meekness. An attitude of meekness. Matthew 5 and verse 5 says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meekness isn't weakness. Meekness is strength under control. It's the ability to manage my emotions by always remaining humble. Humble or humility, is having a true sense of who I really am and what I'm not without Jesus. 
It's getting my mind off myself, off my ego. The reason people get depressed and the reason people never come through sorrow and grief is because they get so focused on themselves and what they're going on, they become inward focused and Jesus can't even get to them. They're so focused on themselves. So you've got to turn that outward and humility says, thank God for who I am and I always need him. And so it's not focused on myself, it's focused on who Jesus is, and so it lets his light in, it lets his power in. Uh, Meekness is the proof of someone who is truly great in soul, because it comes from a heart that is so big that it's never moved by little insults. Meekness is the ability to have such a big heart that you won't let little things get you down. The Bible says God gives grace to the humble. In actually, 1 Peter 5, 5 says, God sets himself against the proud, but he gives grace, favor, and blessing to the humble. You see, when we live in pride, trying to succeed without God's help, we're left open to many attacks of the enemy. But humility is a covering that draws the help of God into our lives, and so it protects us. When we're humble, and when we say, God, you're on my side, I'm trusting you, even although I don't know how I'm going to deal with this, I'm not going to get myself out of control because I'm trusting you. I believe you are able to work in this situation. Number four, the fourth attitude that I need to develop in my life is this attitude. I'm always thirsty. I'm always thirsty. Now, this is another one of those paradoxical statements because in Matthew 5 verse 6 it says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. How many you know we're always full but we're never full enough? And it's not a thing of being unsatisfied, it's a thing of having a passion and a desire to be more like Jesus. The ever driving force of every believer should, man, I want to be more, more like Christ. I want to be more like, I want to do, I want to do more like Jesus. I want to be more like Jesus. And so it's, it's this kind of attitude. I'm always full, but I'm never full because I've always got room for more of what God wants to do in my life. I'm always open to more of his plan, more of his purpose, more of his direction for my life. So I'm thirsting after righteousness. I'm filled because God is working in my life, but I'm busy walking out the righteousness that Jesus gave me. Therefore, because of that, I always strive to do what is right, to do what is honest, to do what is fair for everyone. How you know there's, there's an air of justice about the way I live? It's like, remember that armband they, that they brought out many years ago? WWJD, what would Jesus do? I live with that kind of attitude of like, how would Jesus handle this? How would I, how would I deal with this like Jesus? And so how many of you know, sometimes we, we don't always get there. We, we mess up in the day, we, we make a mistake, but in our hearts, we're always longing to do what's right. We always have this passion to do what's good. That's a healthy attitude. All right, number five. The next attitude we want to look at is this attitude that I'm a merciful person. I'm a merciful person. Matthew 5 verse 7 says, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. 
This means we've accepted and received his forgiveness. And now we're always ready to forgive those who are unkind to us or have hurt us. How many of you wake up in the morning and you say, today I'm going to look for someone to forgive? Very quiet. We're always on the lookout for ways to show kindness to other people. David is the, is the example that springs to mind. You know, after he had taken over the throne and Saul and Jonathan had been killed and their whole family was destroyed, he, he set his servants out and he said, find someone who is of the household of Saul because I want to bless them. And how many you know he found Jonathan's son Mephibosheth and he restored him and all his kingdom and all his property back to him even although he was lame. It's an incredible story of love and forgiveness. That should be our hearts. How can I be merciful? You know, we always want to point at others and say, oh, you know, they're so bad, they did this, they shouldn't have done that. And, and we can rise in judgment without even realizing it. What we should do is when we see people doing things wrong, we should pray for them. We should bring them and, and connect them with Jesus and say, Lord, just help that person. Obviously, they're not recognizing what they're doing. Just bring them wisdom. How do you want me to pray for them? How can I be a solution? And let's be those who are always looking for opportunities forgive, to forgive. If we do that in the nation as believers, we'd immediately start making a difference. Hallelujah. Number six. The sixth attitude that I can develop is this. I want to be pure. Develop the attitude, I want to be pure. It's saying this, it's this kind of an attitude tonight that you and I should develop. It is so helpful in our relationship with Jesus. It's saying that I have this attitude, I won't quit until I get there. I do sometimes give in to temptation. Sometimes I don't always walk in victory, but I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep fighting the fight of faith until I get there. Amen? It's that never give up attitude. Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. When we live with this attitude, not only do we experience Him in our lives, but others will see Him through us. Because they'll see what God is doing. They'll see that you don't give up easily. They see that even although you're going through all time, you still have this joy. You're still ready to pray for other people. And what it does is it draws people to Jesus. You know, the enemy works overtime at tempting us to fall into sin. But you know what? Whenever you're being tempted, remember Jesus is encouraging you that you can overcome evil with good. When temptation to sin feels overwhelming, remember the Holy Spirit, who is much more powerful than any enemy that the devil will bring. Whatever he's trying to overwhelm you with, God will overwhelm you with his goodness. God will cause the Holy Spirit to work in you and give you the strength and the influence so that you can overcome it. You see, having a pure heart also means that I look at my own attitude and my own motives and I watch for my motives. How you know motives are so important? Why you do something is very important to God. Because in James 4 it says this, you prayed and you didn't get what you prayed for because you asked for the wrong reasons. We've got to develop a pure heart by saying, my motives are to honor God. My motives are to be a blessing to my family. My motives are to honor God with everything I do. And we do that by letting the word shine its light into my heart and to judge my motives and to help me to promote good motives in my life through prayer and through being positive. Number seven, I develop an attitude of a peacemaker. How many of you know we all need to be peacemakers? 
And we're going to end on this one, and we'll pick up next week, and we'll finish the last few that we're going to do. But in Matthew 5, verse 9, it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons and daughters of God. Last week, we learned of the importance of staying in peace. But in this attitude, we see that it must lead to us being peacemakers. How many of you know it's one thing to walk in peace, it's another thing to be a peacemaker. What is a peacemaker? A peacemaker is someone who builds bridges. They look for reasons to make a difference and to build bridges instead of being a demolition man. And you know, demolition men are trying to blow everything up. Peacemakers are trying to build bridges and help people to come together and, and see each other's point of view and build something that will be positive. To be intentional about bringing Jesus into a situation so people can experience healing, reconciliation, justice, and holiness. And when we start to live like that, when we become peacemakers, it says, listen, we'll be called the sons and the daughters of God. As we close tonight, I want to just remind you that if you have a look at each one of these uh, attitudes, not only do they start with blessed is, they end with a promise. Every single one of these attitudes has a specific promise, a secret that we can enjoy if we'll choose to develop this attitude. So I want to encourage you tonight that you continue to grow and have this attitude. God, I may not be where I need to be, But thank God, I'm not where I used to be. And I'm going to keep on trusting God and growing in my life. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. In this moment, I want to just pray for you. Father, I thank you that you're working in our lives. That you're helping us to guard our hearts in Christ Jesus. So that your word can spring forth, increase and produce a harvest. So I speak blessing and life over every person in this place today. I speak a word of healing. I speak a word of restoration. And I speak a word of victory over every person. And those who are watching from your home today online, I pray for you. I pray that God would heal you. I pray God that would cause you to recover, to be renewed, to be restored in your life in Jesus' name. And if you're here watching this today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I would love to lead you in the prayer of salvation from Romans chapter 10. If you just feel a tugging at your heart, maybe you're not in the place where you should be with God and you want to just come back. You just want to experience His life and His love and His presence. Just pray this prayer out loud. Say, Father, today, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me on the cross and pay for my sin. I believe in Jesus today. I invite Him into my heart. I receive your forgiveness. Thank you, God, for saving me. Now, if you prayed that prayer today, we would love to hear from you. If you would send us a WhatsApp or send us an email or go to our website, you can find out everything about our church. And we would love to send you a Bible. We'd love to invite you into our family so that you can be part of what God is doing in this time and in this moment. God bless you. We look forward to seeing you soon. And if you're in the area of Margate or Ramsgate, come and join us for one of the services. God bless you and have a great day.